There are many stories of the strange and unusual. Some are true, others are not. Misfits Audio is proud to present Strange Stories, a collection of tales by Mike Murphy that can take place on any world, at any time. We hope our cast entertains you with these tales of the supernatural and the fantastic. In this episode of Strange Stories, our cast presents two tales for your enjoyment. And now, the first story, A Heavenly Price. I suppose I should start by introducing myself before I tell you about the decision that I alone have to make. A decision that will affect everyone on Earth. It's not a decision I want to make. I've been selected. But I'm getting ahead of myself. More on that later. My name is John Lewis. I'm 51 years old. I'm an Iowa farmer. I work the same tract of land that my dad and my granddad did before me. With my wife Vicky and my boys helping out, we get by. But enough about me. On to that decision. The aliens call themselves the Cree. That's it. K-R-E. Their spaceship touched down in front of my house one night about a week ago. It was a big thing, shaped like a saucer with all kind of flashing lights on it. A ramp extended from the center of the ship, and a single Cree walked out. He, well, I guess it was a he, was tall, maybe about seven feet tall, and glowing a shimmering shade of blue. Like Earth people, he had two arms and two legs, though they were shorter than human limbs. His face was similar to a human face, although the mouth was but a tiny slit under a protruding orange nose. He walked down to the ramp and straight toward me. I found myself frozen in my spot, my feet unable to move. John Lewis? Yes. Just the man we've been looking for. I'm not sure that's something I'd like to hear from an alien being, or from anyone who showed up unannounced at my door, for that matter. Why would the Kree travel however far they have to see one Earthman? What is this momentous decision John has mentioned, and why has he, a seemingly regular citizen, been charged with making a decision that will affect every person on Earth? The answers to these questions will be revealed in... A heavenly price. The Cree introduced himself and assured me that he meant no one on Earth harm. He showed me that he had no weapon and asked if he and I might sit and talk about a matter of importance. Though I was dumbfounded as to why an alien being would wish to speak with me, I agreed and showed him into the kitchen. As I agreed to meet with the Cree, the spaceship ramp withdrew. I could see a few other Cree peering out of the ship's windows. As the Cree and I walked into the kitchen, I heard the ship being powered down. Evidently, they intended on staying for a while. Vicky, we have company. Is it Mabel Garrett? She said she was... <coughs> Calm down. John, who... what is... Honey, this is a Cree. He's an alien from outer space. I can see that. I'm sorry I startled you. Allow me. You fixed the dish. It needed restoring. Thank you. You are welcome. Good evening, Mrs. Lewis. If I remember correctly what Mrs. means, 
You are John's wife. I... I am. We Cree have read about your courtship and marriage rituals in great length. They have been the topic of much discussion on Cree. Uh, wait a minute, I thought you were named Cree. I am. We are all named Cree. Our planet is Cree. We do not have individual names on our world like you, John, and you, Vicky. Doesn't that get confusing? Not at all. The Cree are bound together telepathically. We always know who we are talking with. In fact, we usually transmit our thoughts. We rarely speak and have outgrown the need for speech. Before today, I hadn't spoken aloud in more than a century. Your planet must be quiet. Yes, serene and beautiful. Where are the boys? John Jr. is at a school dance, and Eddie is out with some friends. Good. Cree here says he has something to talk over with me. With you. <laughs> why is that so difficult to believe? No disrespect, honey, but why didn't he land his ship on the White House lawn? We Cree discussed that and decided against it. The Cree have been secretly exploring your Earth for some time. Many of your sightings of us have gone down as, how do you say it, UFOs? Oh, wait a minute. So UFOs are your ships? Ours and others. We are but one of a handful of races performing reconnaissance missions on your planet. Your Earth happens to be in the middle of a very busy intergalactic trade route. And why have you chosen me to speak with? We first observed you totally by chance. We saw your work ethic in action as you tilled the soil of this planet and brought forth edibles. We saw your tenderness to your wife and sons. Many nights, our ships have hovered silently over your home while all of you slept. We have observed the Lewis family in great detail. It was necessary to be certain that you, John, were the best possible choice. We trust you to make this decision more than any politician or anyone else on the earth. Wow, I'm, I'm flattered. Uh, so is, is here a good place to talk? If Vicky has no objection... It's fine with me. Then this will do fine. Would either of you like some coffee and cake? That sounds good. How about you, Cree? Do you know what coffee and cake are? No, but I'm anxious to find out. I would enjoy trying some. Just so you know, Cree, uh, the coffee is hot, the cake isn't. Thank you, John. Will you be joining us for cake, Mrs. Lewis? I'll know in a moment. What is that device you're holding? It's called a blood glucose monitor. What does it do? I apply a dab of my blood there, and it tells me what my blood sugar is. Why would you injure yourself so? Vicky has a disease called diabetes. She has to monitor her blood sugar often. That monitor tells her how high or low her blood sugar is. We have no such thing as diabetes on Cree. I assume that a high level of blood sugar is not desirable. You'd be right. It could be harmful. That's why I test it often. Oh, good. I can have cake too. Please, dig in. Mmm. This cake is very tasty. I know of nothing similar on Cree. I'm glad you like it. Mmm. Top notch, huh? 
Perhaps I could take some to my ship later so my crew could analyze it and reproduce it. It's just an angel food cake, but sure. I am curious. May I ask about your diabetes? Certainly. You cannot be cured of this affliction? There is no cure at the moment, though doctors and researchers are looking for one every day. The best I can do now is monitor it and deal with it. We Cree could cure you. I'm sorry? You could? Yes, it sounds similar to a disease we faced many years ago. Our doctors cured it. The Cree are very advanced medically. How would you cure me? I cannot recall exactly. It would be nothing complicated or painful, I promise you. I would have to consult the physician on my vessel for the exact treatment. Many of the diseases the Cree have abolished can be cured by a pill. A pill, John. Did you hear that? A pill. You'd be willing to do that for? And for all of your people. So what's the catch? I don't understand. What would you want in return? That is precisely what I came here to speak with you about. We Cree were going to simply ask for it and figure out something we could give you in return at a later date. Does your planet have other diseases that are presently without cures? Too many. If my medical officer could be put in touch with some of your planet's doctors, we may be able to provide cures for these diseases that are currently afflicting your population. That would be marvelous. Imagine it, John. Imagine all the lives the Cree could save. We could eradicate the diseases from those who have them, like you, Vicki, and show your doctors how to abolish the diseases forever. At what price? I mentioned how my people have been visiting your planet for some time. Earth is very reminiscent of Cree. We have roughly the same water-to-land ratio and climate. There's only one thing that your planet has that Cree does not. What? A moon. Cree has no natural satellite. Many visiting Cree have been enthralled by the beauty and allure of your planet's moon. We would like to have it for our own. Uh, you want to take the moon? Yes, as payment for curing your world's diseases. Can you really just pull the moon out of orbit and take it away? We can. With no damage to the Earth? Little, if any. It will be as though the moon had never orbited your Earth, and your people will have gained so much. Think of it, John. Cancer. AIDS. Diabetes and so many other diseases all wiped out forever. And we Cree seek so little in return. Is your moon too much to ask for? How would you take the moon? A tow vessel would be dispatched from Cree to pull your moon out of its earthly orbit and bring it to Cree by the use of a tractor beam. If you wish, after we Cree take your moon for services rendered, you need never hear from us again. I don't think that would be necessary. I don't see any reason why we can't keep in touch. The Cree would enjoy that. When may we expect your decision? My decision? Yes. That is why we have traveled to you, John Lewis. We want you to be the one who decides. Uh, I can't do that. Why not? I'm just a simple farmer. I, I don't speak for the world. 
I don't have the authority to make such a deal. Unless the decision is yours, John, we Cree will not agree to the transaction. We can't let an opportunity like this slip away, John. I'll need to consult with other people. Who? Smart people. Scientists and professors, for instance. There may be some reason we don't know about why towing the moon out of orbit would harm the Earth. The Cree would not allow that to happen. Tides, Vicky. What? Tides. Don't I remember from school that the moon controls the Earth's tides? I think so. Working with your scientists, we Cree can minimize, if not eliminate, any problem. Removing the moon from your planet's orbit might cause the Earth. Will you consider the offer? You bet I will. Can I have some time to talk to the people I mentioned? Of course. Speak with anyone you would like. Weigh all the facts. But the final decision must be yours and yours alone. How long do I have? This is a finite offer. First, I want to be certain that the Cree can fulfill our part of the bargain. I want you to have your planet's most learned medical people come here to your farm. Have them bring the details of every uncured disease on your world. Together, we will see how many of them we can, in fact, cure. Then you, John, can decide if such cures are worth giving up your moon for. I cannot fully describe for you the media circus that my farm became over the next few days. The television networks were everywhere, their bright lights turning night into day. Vicky and I had sent the boys away to my brother in the next county until things calmed down. Cree, the one that Vicky and I had spoken with, gave many interviews to the TV reporters and explained to them the deal he was proposing. Slews of scientists and doctors descended on my farm and spoke at length with the Cree. While I'm not sure how many aliens were in the spaceship, at one time I counted 16, I personally met with all kinds of people in my quest to learn what might happen to the Earth if the moon were towed away. Vicky and I went through a lot of coffee and cake. Finally, some bigwig doctor from the Northeast came out of the spaceship with a Cree. Together they announced that the Cree had cures for nearly every disease known to mankind. <laughs> Most of them could be wiped out by a pill. A few of our more sinister diseases, like cancer, could be cured in a few hours in a Cree medical chamber on board the spaceship sitting on my lawn. The talk shows went wild. Few, if any, people argued that we should keep the moon. If anyone did, he or she was usually shouted down by the others on the panel. Spokespeople for the various now-curable diseases brought out the afflicted and explained how their lives could be made so much better if the Cree deal were agreed to. Parents pleaded on television for their sick children. <laughs> Remarkably, not many people question why an Iowa farmer should be entrusted with making this great decision. Well, except for me. Mm, it's very late. Are you okay, John? I couldn't sleep. Thought I'd have some hot chocolate. Want some? No, thanks. Jeez, it's like daytime out there with all the TV lights. You'd think the reporters would need some rest. <laughs> I know. The Cree have been giving interviews to anyone who'll listen. I haven't noticed any of them need sleep. You're right. I haven't either. 
All of the regular programming's been pulled off the air for 24-7 coverage of the Cree proposal. I've noticed that you haven't been giving any interviews. Well, it's not for lack of being asked. I don't want any reporter's comments to influence my decision. Since the Cree offer, I've talked to scientists, geologists, doctors, politicians. <laughs> More people than I care to remember. <sighs> Why me, Vicky? Why is it up to me to decide this? Why not you? It had to be somebody. That's not a good answer. The Cree said his people trusted you over anyone else on the planet. That's pretty flattering. Yeah, I suppose so. Can I ask what decision you're leaning towards? Uh, yes. Good. You think so? I can't help but believe we're missing something here. All this is just too good to be true. All I have to do is accept the deal, and instantly, things will be set into motion here and halfway across the galaxy on Cree. Honey, I, I want you and everyone else to be cured. I, I really do. I simply can't escape this bad feeling. What if I'm wrong? John, even if you don't believe in yourself, I do. You've talked with every authority you can. The Cree seem trustworthy enough. They already said that the offer isn't going to last forever. We can't afford to lose this opportunity. You're right. I think the aliens knew what they were doing when they chose you to decide for everyone on Earth. Thanks, Sonny. Well, let's hope they were right. Cree. Yes, sir. Please get the Cree I initially spoke with. I've... I've made my decision. God help me. The next morning, Cree and I held a joint news conference. At the reporter's request, we held it at 7 o'clock so it could be covered live on their network's morning programs. A wild round of applause broke out as I announced my decision into the mic on the podium the news people had hastily set up. News bulletins broke around the world. Newspapers put out special editions. It's a yes, the headlines roared, in type usually reserved to announce an armistice. News websites crashed from the traffic. The Cree homeworld beamed footage to Earth showing a massive Cree tow ship starting its mission to take our moon away. People began contacting their government officials in droves to ask how they could sign up to be on the cure list for their disease. At the news conference... Please, ladies and gentlemen, please. All your questions will be answered in good time. To begin, I would like to thank my good friend, John Lewis, for his decision. I have instructed my medical staff to meet with your Earth's doctors once again to forge a plan to cure your planet's diseases. Obviously, we will need to set up a triage system so that those people whose lives are actually in danger due to their disease are cured first. While my doctors are doing that, I would like to make a proposition to John. What would that be? I would like to propose that John's lovely wife, Vicki, who suffers from diabetes, be the first person to benefit from a Cree cure. Oh, what do you say, darling? Sure. Well, what will she have to do? 
I'm sorry, Vicky, if I led you to believe that a pill could cure your condition. My doctors tell me that the actual cure will involve a 30-minute treatment in the medical chamber aboard my ship. It sounds simple enough. When can we do it? In an hour or so. It will be necessary to alter the chamber slightly for the smaller human form. Mrs. Lewis, is there any chance we'd be able to film that procedure? I don't know about that. But it's living history. The first alien cure for an earthly disease. I'll leave that up to Vicky and Cree. I assure you that we will maintain Mrs. Lewis's modesty at all times. I'm fine with having a news crew there. I just want to be cured. Do I need to do anything beforehand? Nothing at all. John, you are, of course, also invited. I would ask that you reporters limit yourselves to one reporter and one camera person. While my vessel is large, most of it is taken up by crew quarters and the star drive. The surgical bay is not very spacious. Well, I've got 7.30 a.m. How about we start at 8.30? That should be fine. I'll leave it to you reporters to pick your representatives. We will all meet back here in an hour. Are you ready, darling? As I'll ever be. I'm... I'm a little scared. What was it you told me before I made my decision? That you believed in me even if I didn't? Well, I believe in you. Just think, in less than an hour, you'll be able to put away that monitor, your needles, and your insulin for good. That will be nice. Well, they're waiting for us. Are you ready to become part of history? I suppose. Vicky and I walked out the door to a mob of reporters. All of them were anxious to get film or pictures of the first woman who would benefit from a Cree cure. We ignored the microphone shoved at us and walked to where Cree, the camera person, and the reporter were waiting. As we joined them, the walkway I had first seen so many days ago slowly protruded from the ship. Cree instructed the four of us to climb on, and the plank slowly withdrew, pulling us into the vessel. A large hatch clanked shut behind us. I'm sure that all of you have seen the footage of the interior of the Cree ship by now. The floors we walked on were a sparkling white. The ceiling rose more than a hundred feet above us and was laced with some type of fabric in which looked like a spiderweb design. Dozens of Cree lined the walls of the corridor we walked down, tending to inlaid control panels that flashed and beeped. Cree motioned to the four of us to follow him to the surgical bay. And this is the surgical bay. Mrs. Lewis, may I present your doctor? Pleased to meet you. Likewise. You sound female. That's because I am. I don't think we've encountered any female Cree yet. I don't believe you have. There aren't many of us on Cray exploratory vessels. If you'll give me a moment, I'll be ready. This might be a good time for you and your camera person to set up your equipment. Would here be a good place to stand? We want to get some film, but we don't want to be in the way. Where they are standing is fine. How will this work, Cree? Vicky will lie down on this surgical bed. An airtight chamber will be lowered upon her. The chamber will fill with gas, which will put her to sleep for a short time. There will be no actual penetration of her body. The equipment you see here will work in concert with the mechanisms in the chamber to cure her diabetes. 
Her vital signs will be monitored on this screen and the doctor will be present at all times. The procedure should take approximately 30 minutes. We're ready now. Are you ready, honey? Yes. Let's get this over with. Just one more thing. A kiss for luck. Will you take your place on the surgical bed, please, Mrs. Lewis? I'm ready. The noise of the chamber lowering upon the surgical bed can be rather loud. Please do not be afraid. It will not harm you. I understand. The anesthetic gas should take effect within seconds. How's it going, Doc? She is unconscious, and the procedure is beginning to take effect. Any words at this moment, Mr. Lewis? Not now. I'll make a statement when this is over in Vicky as well. A wise decision, John. What's that for? Uh, what's the problem? I'm not sure yet. I'm checking. Oh no. I can't believe this. What? She has no trusa. No what? Cree, what's she talking about? A trusa is an organ that all Cree have. As a matter of fact, all races we've come in contact with also have it. We had no idea you humans don't have one. We simply assumed. What does it do? It provides the necessary support for our cures to take effect and hold. Without a trusa, our cure is worthless. Then get her out of there. Please remain calm. Calm? Uh, is Vicky in danger? I'm afraid I cannot say. This is the first time I've ever operated on anyone without a trusa, let alone a human being. Can't you just pull the plug, break the glass, stop the operation? That would certainly harm her. No. No, I need to try something else. Well, don't just stand there. Do it! You can't let her die! Every second seemed like an hour as the Cree doctor worked to save Vicky. I found out later that a good portion of the population was holding its collective breath along with me. About 35 minutes later, the doctor told me that the crisis was over. Vicky would be fine, though because she had no trusa, she would not be cured of her diabetes. I was simply glad that she was alive. Are you feeling well, Mrs. Lewis? I'm okay. Just a little tired. My doctor informs that your tired feeling may last a couple of days. I apologize for both my surgeon and myself. We have encountered dozens of alien races. All of them had trusa. It never occurred to us that the human race did not. So you're telling me that none of your cures work for humans? I'm afraid not. All of our cures were developed with the trusa in mind. Without that organ, None of the medicines can be dispersed into the body properly. Is there any way that I could get a trusa or the cure could be changed? Sadly, no. Trusa are most delicate and not transplantable, and we have found no way to simulate their function. As far as changing the cures, each of them took hundreds of years to develop. They would take just as long, if not longer, to alter. We will try. So the deal is off then? Yes. I've contacted the tow ship and informed its captain to turn around and head back to Cree. It's such a shame. Your moon would have looked so lovely in the pink Cree sky. 
Some other time, perhaps. Is there something else you might like for your moon? Right now, I have everything I need right here. Vicky Cree and I walked outside to the spaceship amid a flurry of camera flashes. The ramp extended, and with a sad wave, Cree boarded his ship, which rose gently and flew off into the night sky. As the news people began to pack up their equipment, Vicky and I went inside and sat down at the kitchen table, where all of this began so many days ago. I'm sorry, darling. That's okay. Who knew I didn't have a Trusa, or even what one was? It was exciting, even for a little bit, to think that I'd be cured. One day, you will. I guess our Earth doctors will simply have to discover all those cures on their own. Unfortunately, the human race has lost a wonderful opportunity. Perhaps in a few hundred years, if today's diseases are still with us, the Kree will return to Earth with their revamped cures and a tow ship for our moon. Until that time, we can still look up in the night sky and see the moon's glow. Wolves can still howl at it, and lovers can still romance under it. I suppose those are just a few of the reasons why the moon was put in orbit in the first place. Our special thanks in A Heavenly Price to the voices of Paul Lavelle as John Lewis, Ken Kemple as Cree, Julie Hoverson as the narrator, Elise Krawek as Vicki Lewis, Kevin Kemple as Cree number two, Zelie Berain as the reporter, and Cookie Coletti as the Cree doctor. A Heavenly Price and Ready for the Storm were written by Mike Murphy. The producer was Katie Daynard. Assistant producer was Mike Murphy. The editor was Arlene Osborne. The webmaster is April Sadowski. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of the story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Julie Hoverson. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2009. And now for our second tale, Ready for the Storm. Our special thanks in Ready for the Storm to the voices of Julie Hoverson as the narrator, Katie Daynart as Gwen, and Sam Haft as Daddy. The war to end all wars has come and gone. Two survivors, a man and his young daughter, stand in a desolated open space watching the horizon. Approaching them is their death.
It's coming, isn't it, Daddy? Yes. What are we going to do? What can we do? Shouldn't we find shelter? Look around you, Gwen. Do you see any shelter? Any at all? No. I haven't seen any for miles. We'll simply have to ride out the storm from right here. But the rain burns. I know it does, love. I'm sorry about that. Don't apologize. You didn't do anything. My generation did. But not you. You don't remember rain like it used to be. Like it was meant to be, do you? I only remember the burning kind. Did rain used to be nice? Oh, very nice. It fell from the sky and and it was cooling. It made plants grow. <laughs> it got your hair wet and ran down your cheeks. Without burning? Without burning. Your... Your mother and I used to listen to the rain back when we lived in the old house. Back before the world went mad. Do you remember your mother? You were very, very young when she died. I remember her. A little. I remember how pretty she was. You look more like her every day. I do not. You do. You're a lovely young lady. Could we outrun the storm? No, it's approaching fast. Came out of nowhere. They do that sometimes since the bombs fell. Could it miss us? I doubt it. Look at how big the cloud cover is. Daddy, tell me again what it was like before everything happened. The world was a beautiful place. There were seasons. What were seasons? The weather would change. Sometimes it would be cold, sometimes hot. It's always hot now. The storm's getting closer. We'd better get ready. Ready? You said that we were going to have to ride out the storm here because there's no shelter. There is some shelter. Then let's hurry and go there. We don't have to go anywhere. I don't understand you. We have to get to the shelter. There's no shelter for us, Gwen. Just for you. What do you mean? I will be your shelter from the rain. No, Daddy. I can't let you do that. The rain will burn you and you'll die. Better that one of us lives. But... I couldn't do anything to save your mother and your brother from the bombs. I am going to protect you. But how? I'm much bigger than you are. I'll cover you with my body so the rain falls on me and not you. I'll be like a blanket. But you'll die. I know, but you will live. No! I can't let you. You've barely begun your life, Gwen. No, Daddy. Please! I am your father and you will do as I say. Yes, sir. The storm is nearly here. When the rain ends, I want you to get up and leave me here. Leave you? If I'm not dead, I'll be nearly dead. I'll be of no use to you, only a burden. You need to run. Run until you can't run anymore. You need to find other people. But we haven't seen anyone in weeks. There must be other people. Find them. You can't be alone. You help them and hopefully they'll help you. Tell me... Tell me you'll do what I say. I will. Good girl. Good girl.
Lie down on the ground. The storm is nearly here. Now let me cover you. Protect you. Goodbye, my little girl. Goodbye, Daddy. Remember me. Oh,